Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and today I want to talk uh, a little bit uh, about the relationship that uh, the Cardillo General Francisco Franco had with the rest of the world after the end of the Second World War. Now my good friends at IB Taurus have sent me a copy of Franco, Anatomy of a Dictator by Enrique Moradios and um, I think with any luck, we'll be able to squeeze a copy out of them um, as a giveaway. By way of credentials, Paul Preston, who I've talked about before, um, who wrote the Spanish Holocaust, um, cites um, uh, Professor Moradios as uh, one of the most distinguished historians of 20th century Spain for a concise and lucid account of Franco. The man his dictatorship, it'd be difficult to improve on his balanced and learned account. So I've talked a lot about the, uh, the Spanish Civil War itself and the uh, fall of the Spanish Republic, but less is known uh, about uh, what happened um, after the Second World War. Obviously, uh, Franco flirted with the idea of uh, an alliance with Hitler and uh, toyed with the possibility of becoming involved in the war, but ultimately his demands from Hitler were so enormous for a relatively little uh, amount of exposure and risk that um, Hitler chose to support the territorial claims of Vichy France and fascist Italy uh, over Franco, and uh, as a result Franco decided it was best not to get involved. The fact remains, though, that uh, Franco was the most successful uh, fascist leader of his generation in Europe, and the most successful totalitarian leader, outliving Stalin even, um, and surviving until the 1970s. And this is something that really gets kind of overlooked in the, the kind of the broader narrative of European history uh, in the 20th century, that uh, there is this uh, brief period 
uh, from in the 1920s and 30s, ending in 1945 when fascism uh, rules supreme or threatens to overturn, overturn liberal democracy. And uh, the, the, the conventional story that we all embrace is um, order is restored and the kind of balance is um, rectified and uh, the good will out. But in the case of Spain, that doesn't happen. Fascism uh, persists in, in quite a, a virulent form for a considerable period of time. And uh, the, uh, the questions as far as democratic life in Spain goes are multiple. Uh, Germany managed to rid itself of Nazism in eastern uh, Germany and in the west due to military occupation and not just defeat but um, the annihilation of, of the regime. The re-emergent democracy in Spain from the 70s onwards still has many kind of ghosts from the past and many um, hidden aspects of fascism uh, that continue to, to linger on one only needs to recently have looked at the battering that Catalan protesters received to notice that there is a strong nationalist authoritarianism still at play in the Iberian Peninsula. Franco had committed forces to uh, Hitler's invasion of the Soviet Union. and He had sent his Blue Division to fight in uh, Operation Barbarossa. But he uh, attempted to present um, to Britain and the USA uh, himself as a, a neutral force. He said essentially there are two wars, one an anti-communist crusade and the other well, the war that you're fighting with Nazi Germany I don't have to be concerned with and I'm certainly not going to uh, attack you. Um, the Western Allies had uh, significant reservations about this as this put an immense strain on um, their already fractious relationship with Stalin um, and it presented Stalin with suspicions that the uh, West were once again planning to abandon the Soviet Union to its fate. Um, the Francoists suggested that the struggle against the Bolsheviks was something quite distinct from wars between civilised nations. Um, and the letter that um, the Caudillo um, received on the 12th of December 1941 from the Secretary uh, of the Presidency, Admiral Carrera Blanco, um, who uh, was a great enthusiast for this dual war uh, theory, said, The Anglo-Saxon Soviet front is really a front of Jewish power, where the whole complex of democracies, Freemasonry, liberalism, plutocracy and communism, raise their flags. The Axis is fighting today against everything that is fundamentally anti-Spain. Um, when America entered the war after Pearl Harbor, um, along with um, fascist defeats in North Africa and the slowing down of the offensive in Russia, Franco began to uh, start to see the writing on the wall for the Axis powers and began to see that there wasn't much of a future allied to Hitler. Um, he thought saw as well that if there was going to be a successful war, it was one that was going to be very long, and the position of Spain 
in that war we become more and more vulnerable. The uh, Americans were a large presence in the Atlantic, they were a presence in North Africa, and they would eventually become a presence in France. Um, and the British would be a presence in uh, Suez, tying down German troops in North Africa and keeping them away from the real objective, which was, of course, the Russian front. On the uh, 12th of February 1942, Antonio Salazar, the dictator of Portugal, and Franco met in Seville. Um, they discussed with one another the shape of the war emerging uh, around uh, Spain and Portugal and decided to form a, a treaty between one another um, to safeguard um, both their countries. They referred to it laughingly as the peace and inviolability of the peninsula, while there was little that until 1939 had been peaceful or inviolable about Spain at all. Um, the Iberian bloc was the alliance um, that was uh, conceived of, and it was um, a, a sort of a, a sop to the Allies as well, as it offered neutrality in um, Spain and Portugal, and it guaranteed, hopefully, in Franco's eyes, that Spain and Portugal would be considered to be um, an irrelevance as far as war aims went, and there would be uh, little interest by the uh, Anglo-American allies in invading Spain. On uh, the 8th of November 1942, um, Franco saw Allied troops land in Morocco and Algeria, um, starting a, a second front against the Axis in the Mediterranean. Allied troops on the other sides of the Straits of Gibraltar uh, and along the Spanish-Moroccan border uh, put an end to any dreams that Franco had of intervening in the war. Um, he realised that his territory was under considerable threat. Um, the fact that Spain couldn't react militarily um, meant that Roosevelt was able to send a letter directly to Franco um, saying that these moves are in no shape, manner or form directed against the government or people of Spain. Spain has nothing to fear from the United Nations. And the rapid successes of the Allies in North Africa uh, pushed Spain furthermore towards a, a neutral stance um, and any uh, sympathies uh, within Franco's regime uh, for uh, becoming involved in the war, are quickly purged. In November 1942, General Gomez Ayodana, um, the foreign minister for the Francoist regime, um, said, it's not exactly that we're in favour of the Axis, but rather we're against communism. Uh, the following April in 1943, um, the Caudillo uh, reiterated um, to the ambassador of Italy um, the reasons why um, Spain would not return the favour um, that uh, Mussolini had done for uh, Franco and uh, return the military support. Um, he said, My heart is with you and I want an Axis victory. It is in my interest and in that of my country, but you cannot forget the difficulties that I have to face both internationally and in domestic politics. As the war turned uh, furthermore in the Allies' favour, America was able to put more pressure on Spain 
to uh, prevent any kind of um, covert aid to uh, Germany. In September 1943, uh, Franco said that the, the Blue Division that had been fighting in Russia would be disbanded. And on October the 1st, he uh, said, he reiterated the fact that Spain was strictly neutral in the war. Um, seven days after that, he had to accept, without any hint of protest, Portugal's decision to allow uh, the Americans and the British use of military bases in the Azores in order to protect Atlantic uh, convoys. And the pressure from Britain and America grew in 1944. In 20, on the 20th of January that year, uh, America imposed an embargo on fuel until Franco's regime uh, met with Allied demands. It was the one of the great lifelines that the Texaco Oil Company threw to Franco during the Civil War was an almost unlimited flow of fuel. And so putting pressure on this was uh, an immensely um, strategically important thing for uh, America to do to do control the flow of fuel and you control the regime itself. Um, after this, the um, other uh, commodities that were imported in large quantities into Spain were also embargoed. Um, wool uh, meant that uh, there was uh, a crisis in Spain, the Spanish textile industry. And the possibility of total economic collapse loomed. Um, Franco was aware of the impact of uh, American embargoes on Japan before uh, the start of the Second World War. Franco said at this point, Spain is in no condition to be intransigent. And the uh, an agreement was signed on the 2nd of May 1944, um, in which the Spanish government um, gave a pledge to throw all German agents out of its territory um, respond, uh, who had been accused of espionage or sabotage. Um, and this was a, val a, a significant intelligence blow to the um, Axis forces. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spain had been uh, an exceptional uh, environment for intelligence gathering for a considerable period of time. Um, it meant all logistic support to Germany um, ended. Uh, Germany was no longer allowed to use any ports or airfields in Spain. And uh, exports of tungsten, which was uh, instrumental, uh, um, important in the process of creating steel, um, was also banned from Spain to Germany. So you imagine Hitler probably got the message the relationship had called to such an extent that Franco was no longer willing to to risk it. At the end of the war, Franco um, had almost completely bent over to Anglo-American demands and he was had an eye on the future. He knew that the Axis was not salvageable and he knew also that he could be uh, salvageable and um, Francoist Spain uh, could survive. And he knew that he would be in a world which would be particularly hostile to fascist military strongmen. Um, and he used the appeals of anti-communism and Catholicism um, as, his, as his basis for the future. These were going to be his ideological platform into the, the late 1940s, early 1950s that would help him uh, appeal to the, the rest of Europe and, and America. He presented himself as one of the kind of the, the, the gatekeepers of Europe, one of the centuries of the West, and um, a figure who had, in this kind of reversal of history in Franco's mind, stood up to Hitler and not allowed um, Spain to be dragged into a, a ruinous war. He tried to present himself within Spain as being this figure who had been able to uh, steer the most uh, pragmatic path through a half a decade of, of conflict. And the um, other ministers from the Francoist era who had been enthusiastic about joining with the, the Axis, um, the Spanish news, uh, in, uh, newspapers began to uh, demonise them as being the sorts of men that if we'd have allowed them to to do it would have dragged us into this terrible conflict that has destroyed Germany. Um, Western diplomats became aware that Franco of Franco's uh, game and his strategy and what he was trying to achieve, and they knew that he was looking for survival at, at any price. So in mid-December 1944, um, after uh, an interview with Franco in the El Pardo Palace um, uh, to convey um, allied uh, disgust at his um, behaviour and uh, a real disquiet about the possibility of a Francoist future in Spain. Uh, the British ambassador in Madrid reported back to the British government the following uh, communique after having met with Franco. He said, Franco seemed entirely complacent and unruffled. He made no counterattack and showed no resentment at my criticism. He showed no signs of being worried about the future of Spain and had evidently convinced himself that the present regime is in the forefront of human progress and the best, the, uh, uh, and the best that Spain has ever possessed. 
Whether this appearance of complete complacency is a pose or not is impossible to say. My own view is that he is genuinely convinced um, that he is the chosen instrument of heaven to save Spain, and any suggestions to the contrary he regards as either ignorant or blasphemous. It, would, uh, it, it was only when I was leaving that I noticed a sign that the wind had begun to blow in this unventilated shrine of self-complacency. Photographs of the Pope and uh, President Carmona of Portugal had taken the place of honour previously held on his writing table by Hitler and Mussolini. So, it, at the end of the Second World War, um, Franco found himself in a, a very unfriendly environment. Um, the beginnings of a period of ostracization of the Franco regime um, commenced, and this showed. This was a, a period in which Franco was able to show his talents as a politician uh, to survive in these this difficult environment. Um, on March the nineteenth, nineteen forty-five, Don Juan de Bourbon who had been the heir of Alfonso XIII, the previous king, um, who had been deposed by the Spanish Republic, um, published his uh, Manifesto of Lausanne, um, and this was a document where um, uh, Franco was requested to retire and a monarchy return um, in order to reunite the, the nation. Franco had been, um, in his eyes, perhaps sort of a kind of like a Cromwell figure, the, the necessary dictator needed to, but one who had been unable to heal the divisions of the nation and only a, a kind of a regal monarchy could do that. Um, on, the 12th, on the 2nd of August 1945, um, at the Potsdam Conference, the Potsdam, Conf the Potsdam um, allies issued a statement which vetoed Franco's Spain from the new United Nations, saying that in view of its origins, its nature, its record, and its close association with uh, aggressor states, and perhaps there were some guilty consciences here. Perhaps there were amongst the Americans and the British particularly um, some uh, regret about having uh, allowed the violent Francoist regime to establish itself in Spain. Um, uh, facing international condemnation and internal pressure to restore the monarchy, Franco struggled to survive, um, and he used the kind of the the memories of the civil war, and um, reignited the uh, belief, the entirely fraudulent belief, that uh, Catholic Spain was under threat by some kind of Freemasonic uh, Bolshevik plot. Um, and that he obviously left um, the Jews out of the uh, equation, even though uh, Spanish fascism, even though there were almost no Jews in Spain, uh, was still uh, obsessed with uh, Jewish conspiracy theories. But given the discovery of uh, the death camps, it was a bit impolitic, even for someone like Franco, to, to, to take uh, anti-Semitic references. Franco was um, certain that within Europe there would be uh, a new conflict between uh, the Soviet Union and America, and eventually, when this happened, America would turn to Spain for its staunch anti-communist um, sentiments, uh, and Spain would be a new strategic uh, side of strategic importance, 
Um, and this would be how Spain would restore its fortunes internationally. But up until this point, Spain really had to kind of keep its head down. Um, and the recommendations uh, of um, some of Franco's more ardent anti-communist ministers um, were that um, Franco should continue to keep uh, up this um, rhetoric of him being the, the, the lone warrior in Europe uh, against communism and um, the, the kind of the weakness of, of liberalism. And he should um, take advantage of opportunities um, to convince England and America that um, the, Franco should join the struggle against Russian imperialism and um, that the uh, Catholicism, anti-communism and the access to the Atlantic would be the three tools that Spain could use. After the Potsdam Conference, um, Carrero Blanco set out how he saw Franco's views on the future, uh, in which he said, In short, with the last shot in the Pacific, the diplomatic war between the Anglo-Saxon powers and Russia has begun. England and the United States are united against Russian imperialism. In this obvious case of cold self-interest, the Anglo-Saxons, despite what they say on the radio, in the media, and even the politicians, great and small, not only do not support it, but oppose everything that could create a situation of Soviet hegemony in the Iberian Peninsula. They are interested in order uh, and in anti-communism, but would prefer to achieve this with a different regime to the current one. The pressures of Anglo-Saxons for a change in Spanish politics that breaks the normal development of the current regime will be much lower and more palpable is our order, our unity and our impassivity to threats and impertinences. There can be no formula for us other than order, unity and endurance. So um, he believed, with some degree of accuracy it turns out, that the uh, anti-communist struggle of the British and the Americans um, would overcome, really, their antipathy towards um, fascism and their, their distaste for it. And it was possible, Franco later thought, that the fascist aspects of the regime could be downplayed. And instead, um, a, a sort of a more naturalist sense of kind of Catholicism uh, and a kind of a, a democracy, which wouldn't be a democracy... Uh, at all in any conceivable way, but uh, a, a sort of like a managed democracy based around um, Catholic values would be the way in would be the external face of Spain to to the world. Um, the he referred it to um, it would be more perfect than the formal and garrulous democracy that exploits that exploits people and. The the term that was also used to describe all this was constitutional cosmetics and the apparent change of facade, um, which would be more, nothing more than a, a public relations exercise uh, in order to integrate an authoritarian um, militarist Spain into a post-fascist world. Okay, well, I'm going to finish there. I hope you found that useful and interesting. Uh, remember to check out and join the Explaining History Facebook group. We've got some great, um, some uh, great interest. People are signing up and taking part in the big discussions about modern history there. 
Um, and uh, yeah, come along. It'll be fun. And follow the link uh, under this podcast. All the best. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.